Today, we come to the end of 2 Peter. Today, I'm covering the last chapter. Uh, the last will be the first. I'm the oldest among all the three of them, so I cover the behind. Yeah, that's what they say. Okay, it also give me a chance to uh, um, highlight certain things uh, uh, and, and to highlight certain things that they have brought off the truth. Actually, my, this um, chapter is very easy. It's a recollection of all that they have preached. So actually, I will ask, ask you, go listen to the last three weeks' message, and that's the answer. That's the message for today. Okay, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, so today, my message is on this, a reminder to remember. This is taken from the 18 verses in chap, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, let me begin with showing you this thing. This is called the forgetting curve. It's, 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 this study is done by this, this man called Ebbinghaus. You know, and this, this forgetting curve is actually named after him. It shows you studies, he has studied and he has shows you that, you know how quickly information that you have learned are actually lost over time. You know, the good thing about this is if, if, if it wasn't for this curve, this forgetting curve, you know, we could have all learned everything just once and then it will forever stick in our head. Just once, and it will stick for our head. Do you know what will happen? People like me, people like your senior pastor, people like your teachers, uh, people like your counselors, all will lose their job in no time because people remember. Okay, because of y'all don't remember, right? That's why we are all in, still in, 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 still have a job to do. Okay, but Ebbinghaus also recognized that you know it's not all doom. It's like, oh, no, and we keep forgetting things and we keep learning. No, but he says this also, that, that actually he discovered that, that actually some information, actually information can be retained. Can, can be retained. That by, but by, by what? By staging frequent intervention, reminders as part of your learning process. You know, through either revising, recalling, remembering and this, 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 uh, this, inter, uh, uh, this frequent intervention, uh, it helps to solidify this information that is received. That, that means you will not forget so easily. Okay, so it's, so it, you, you do, we do forget, and then that occasion, and, and then we need this frequent intervention to come in. And this is exactly what Peter, Apostle Peter is doing in this chapter. He says this in verse 1 and 2, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostle. Apostle Peter here is like a good teacher. He repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats the lesson until you get it. He is covering the whole, the, the ground again. You know, remember, the, you, know, you know, when we started this first uh, chapter one, about three weeks ago, you know, uh, Pastor Darren is the one who covers Second uh, Peter chapter one, the knowledge of our faith, the gift, the effort, and the confirmation of our faith. And then follow on by Pastor Kogwan, who says, to give us a title, I want to grow, but how? By remembering the review word, the experience of the living word, and the anticipate of the prophetic word. In the, this are all happened within the first two weeks of June. Y'all look at me like, y'all totally forgot. 
So those are the curves, correct? Now it's interesting also to note that Apostle Peter starts off this, this whole chapter with this phrase, Dear friends. It's a contrast from last week's message. You know, last week, Pastor Jeff was preaching about how to remain in the truth, to know the truth and the judgment of God. You know, showing us the false teacher. And then, that's such a big contrast. Chapter 3, he used the word, dear friend. As compared to chapter 2, when he used the word, dogs and pigs, to the, as refers to the false teacher. He called the false teacher, pigs and dogs. You know, and and then now he turns around and he says, Dear friends. Apostle Peter turns from addressing the false prophet, the false teacher, to now addressing believers. From confronting the false teacher for turning their back on the sacred commands that was passed down to them, which is in chapter 2, verse 21, to now reminding the believers to remember the commands that's given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the apostles. Apostle Peter, this call for us to remember is not just a simple mental act. It's not just our brain, our thinking faculty. It involves, what he's saying here, it involves the recalling of the truth of God in such a way that it affects our entire life, our feeling and our doing. When our thinking is right, it will affect how we feel. And how we feel will ultimately affect what we do. And so when, when Peter is asking us to remember, 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 he's just asking not us to just recall. But that recalling of that information in our head should affect and change our entire life. This is how we are supposed to live. Rick Warren has this quote saying that God's word is not meant for, to, to just to inform you but it's meant to transform you. So what exactly are we talking about? What exactly is Apostle Peter asking us to remember? And so now we jump into the passage. Now, it is a reminder for us to remember God's promised word, found in verse 3 to verse 7. Let, let me read to you. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And this water's also, the world, the world of that time was deluded and destroyed. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Pastor Jeff already covered with us last week who these scoffers are. Now, Apostle Peter here now is highlighting to the church and even to us you know, the scoffers question and they are, the, what they say in verse 4, like, where is this coming? He said, where is this coming that he promised? No, these are not innocent inquiries regarding the second coming. It's not innocent in a sense. It is a mocking, laughing, 
ridiculing the believer's belief in Jesus returning as a judge. They are not only laughing. Apostle Peter doesn't bother with them laughing. But this laughing is also, is at the same time introducing doubt and skepticism into the church at Peter's time. And the thing about it is, it is also happening in our time. The Bible says, in keeping with their denial of the truth, he said these false teachers deliberately forget or forgot. Like, uh, like all unregenerated men, they know the truth, but they deliberately suppress it so that they can deny this judgment, telling people, oh, there's no judgment at all. So that, what? So that they can live according to their own ungodly desires. This is all covered previous chapter. I hope you still remember because it's just last week. Now, with regards to all these people mocking, laughing, Apostle Paul then reminds the church in this verse, in these verses that God did not go MIA. God did not leave us on our own after He created the world. In case you forget, now Apostle Peter says, let me remind you Verse 5, God stepped into time and spoke the word and the heavens and the earth was formed. Just that you don't forget. God stepped in once. And then he says, let me remind you again one more time that God steps in the second time and flooded the whole entire earth, destroying every living creature except Noah and his family. Because why? Because Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8 says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race has become on earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of human hearts was only evil at all times. The Lord regretted that He made human beings on earth. And His heart was deeply troubled. And so the Lord says, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them the animals the birds, and the creatures that move along the, the ground. For I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And in case you forget, Apostle Peter carry on and says in verse 7, in case you forget, let me remind you that the world today continue to exist because God upholds it by His Word. In case you forget that the earth is still in existence because of God's Word. And then he goes on the last statement. And, and nothing, he says again, and nothing is going to stop God from stepping in the third time to judge and to destroy the present heavens and earth. God came in once. God stepped in twice. God sustained the world as of today. Nothing will stop him from coming in the third time. You know, Pastor Jeff says this last week. You know, one of the ways we will not be deceived is by getting in touch with something that's familiar and what is true. Because when you are, you, you encounter that 
that truth a lot more. You know what is counterfeit. You know what is fake. You know, we live in this world that's flooded with information. We live in a world that is today very, very noisy. Everybody seems to have an opinion and seems to have a say in every subject matter. To vaccinate, not to vaccinate. We are living in a very, very noisy world. Some of you ask, where, where did I go for the last two and a half years? You know, I, I went down to the youth to become the youth pastor there. And as I go there, I go with fear and trembling. Because all this while, I've always been like, you know, supportive role, you know, leading a ministry, but in a supportive way. But now going to youth pastor, I'm the number one person. And one of the prayers I ask God is, God, I want to hear you clearly as a youth pastor. I want to make decisions that glorifies you, that represent you of what, who you are. I don't want to misrepresent God as a youth pastor there because everybody is taking decision for me and direction for me. And it's very, very challenging at times. You know, when I was, you know, especially, you know, if you know me well, you know that I'm actually a very sociable person. I'm a very relational person. You know, I like to drink coffee, have supper, have meals with you. I like to do the, the nice thing. Then when I have to do the very difficult things, like telling somebody to step down from serving, this is something that I never want to do because it goes against my grain. I want to be the nice person. And in, in, as a youth pastor, sometimes I'm being I'm bring brought to that situation where I have to do because I hear God saying that I need to do it. At one time, I know I have to ask somebody to step down, a leader to step down. And I tell you, I struggle for one week with God. and say, God, I, you know this is not my type. I don't do this kind of job. But I know I have to do this because I also have to answer to everybody. And I told God, no, I really do not know whether is this right or is this wrong. And will I be representing you correct? But in the end, I felt that I have to ask him to step down and he stepped down. And even after I had spoken to him about asking him to step down, I feel uneasy for the next three days. Still questioning myself, did I do the right thing? Did, did, did God ask me to do it? Did I represent him correctly? Until during a session in church here where Reverend, Reverend Young, who was teaching some of us to go, as he going through the OT, the Old Testament survey, as he was going through and he was teaching about the life of Moses, the Old Testament the Lord spoke to me and He highlighted something that i never seen before. And from this conversation and this study of Old Testament survey, the life of Moses, why Moses was prevented from going into the promised land, I felt the Lord spoke to me and say, your job is not to worry about the person. Your job is to keep your eyes focused on me and do what I want you to do. The rest of it, I will take care. Because my concern is, I want to be friend. I want nice, good relationship. If I tell somebody that now, what if the relationship turns sour and they, they left? And I don't want that to happen. But God says, you just have to represent me. I will take care of the rest. Till this day, we are still friends. We still meet up for lunch and dinner. He is still in church. And we have good relationship. So I am not God. 
And my, my concern is not. Because as pastors, one of our biggest struggle is pastoral heart. We want to do, we want to help. And we want to be the so-called nice people. But we, our job now is to only listen to God. So that I will not misrepresent Him and mislead His sheep. Question we ask ourselves here is, are our lives guided by His promised word? Or are we living according to what is popular that's here today and gone tomorrow? How well do you know His word? I'm getting old. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm getting older. You know, I'm, I'm, if you still think that I'm 30 years old, thank you very much. I'm coming to 50 already. This year, I'll turn 50. And, and, and this is not an excuse, but I'm really not good at memorizing scripture. You know, as compared to senior pastor, I cannot. Senior pastors can wow, throw verses and then give you the reference and then you can go and find. I, I roughly know about there only. Then I still have to go and do homework. But I'm really not good at memorizing scriptures. But what do I do? So what I do? Year after year, I'll go through Genesis to Revelation. Then I read again, Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation. Every year, I'll go through whatever. For what? so that I'm very familiar with the Word of God. I want to be familiar with the Word of God, not for the purpose of so that I can tick off and say I've done my quiet time. I've read my Bible. It's not that. The reason why I want to be familiar with His Word is because I want to be familiar with His ways. I want to be familiar with His nature and His character. Why is this important? Why is knowing His Word knowing his ways, knowing his character, knowing his nature. Why is it important? All these are found all in the Word of God. But why is it important that I have to keep going back to the Word of God? Because, because like any relationship here on earth, if you do not know the person, you cannot trust the person. Don't believe me? Why not you take your children and go to the bus stop and pass your children to a stranger? Will you do that? You will never do that. We as parents will never do that because we don't even know the person. How can we trust the person? So the more I know God, the more I will be able to trust Him. That's why I need to be very familiar with His Word. Because it is in His Word that He reveals Himself continually. I'm now halfway. I mean, this, this year, I just started reading my Bible again. I tell myself, no, I don't want to do one year. I, let me try, see, I can finish in 90 days. I'm already halfway through. It's possible, you know, it's really possible. Three years ago, during the 40-day fast and prayer, you know, I, I told God, uh, 40 days, I want to try and read the Bible in 40 days. And, I, and then halfway through, I actually, ponche, I, I actually want to give up already. But because Pastor Eric go and tell everybody, then all these people come and tell me, wow, Pastor Andrew, I heard you're going to finish reading the Bible in 40 days. Oh, now I cannot, I cannot stop. I, I cannot stop now. I, I, I cannot stop now. I'm going to carry on. But I, I, I done it. But, but the 40 days, I only do read the Bible and do nothing else. But it's the best time of my life because all I'm thinking about is God. I don't even have time to sin. I don't even think about this kind of thing because my life is all revolving about God and His Word, and I want to finish, I want to finish, I want to finish. Now for each and every one of us here, my encouragement to us is we need to go back to the Word of God. 
I know some of you may think, Pastor, Pastor Andrew, I'm so, I'm so shy to tell you that I'm, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm, I'm not doing my quiet time regularly. Brothers and sisters, you're not the only one. I know there are many people who are not reading their Bible and doing their quiet time. But that shouldn't stop us from being there. Our job is to encourage. Let's do this together. And so if you feel like today, sitting here, or those, for those of you who are watching at, uh, at home, this, I, I want you to, you know, in your own quietness, make a commitment to God and say, God, I want to start reading my Bible again. You know, I, maybe, maybe these 40 days, maybe, I, okay, not the whole Bible, maybe finish the New Testament or do something and get back to the Word of God and get familiarized to know who God is. So a reminder for us to go back to the promised Word of God. Moving on, verse 8 to verse 10. It's a reminder for us to remember God's promised patience. Let me read to you. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some of you count slowness, but is patient towards you and not wishing any one of you to perish, but that all should come to reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works and that, that are done on it will be exposed. Some, of them, some versions say it will be all burned up. In verse 8, Apostle Paul quotes this verse 8. Apostle, quote, Apostle, Apostle Peter quotes from Psalms chapter 90, verse 4. And he points out that, what is he pointing out? He's pointing out that God does not rush. God does not wait in the same manner that human beings are, are the way we respond. That we are not locked into the minutes, the hours, the month, the week, the years. We are not. God is not locked in the way that we mere human beings do. This verse is not taken, it's not to be taken literally. Because if we literally, if we take verse 8 literally, it will only mean that, you know, in God's eyes, you know, it has only been two days since Jesus died. In God's eyes, if we take this verse literally. And so this is not to be taken literally. It, this verse is more like a, a, a figure of speech. Example, if you, if you are bored attending a meeting, or maybe you are very bored, like, ah, when is this going to be over? And then when you look at your clock, and then you're like, you feel like this is eternity and it's like going on forever and ever. And then you look at the clock, only five minutes pass. Or when you go to a holiday, I, I know some of you are like, oh, holiday, long time already. You know, or you go on holiday and then you go for like a few weeks. And then, and then you have a wonderful time. And then when you come to the end of your holiday, you know, just the next day that you have to go back, then you, tell, then you say to each other, well, it feels like we just got here yesterday. Suddenly that, that hour minutes doesn't seem to matter. It's time. What seems to be like a poor timing to us that since God said it until now, 2,000 years later, He hasn't come back. What seems to be a poor timing to us, to God, that has a plan and that has a purpose. God's delay is no cause for embarrassment but rather for relief. Because it allows us time to get our lives aright. Not just our lives, but also the lives of our friends, 
our loved ones who have not heard or who have not known who this Jesus is. This same thought is actually is expressed many, many times across many, many passages. And let me show you just one. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. God says, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. And then you will soon discover that God's patience and love is being displayed time and time and time again to men through the pages of the Bible. Have you read Judges? It's terrible. They sin, they disobey, they sin. God raised somebody, saved them, then they, oh, and then they go back again. And then they cry, God, help, help, help. And then God sent, and then they, oh, okay, then after a while, they sin again. Time and time and time again. Read through the pages of the Bible and you will see God's patience and love displayed again and again. As much as we are thankful that God is still patient with us, you know, allowing us time to repent, many others to turn to Him, we are also reminded that God's patience has expiry date. And when that day comes, God says, I will not delay any longer. And His coming will be like a thief, unexpected and suddenly. Let me share with you something. Interestingly, if you think Apostle Peter quotes Psalms 90 here to mean that, oh, okay, God is eternal, God is not bounded by time, if you think he quoted that to prove. You are only, you are right, but you are only half right. He cleverly, intentionally quoted Psalms 90 here, not just to show us that God is beyond time, but he reminds us that God, who is the eternal creator, that God is also the loving, patient saviour that pursue his people, that he is also the judge who will judge according to the law. Read Psalms 90 again and you will realise the whole entire Psalms 90 point out to three things. God is the eternal creator. He patiently, you know, graciously, patiently, lovingly chase after all his, he chase after people wanting them to repent and come to him. And, but ultimately he says he will judge the sin of the people according to his law. Psalms 90. So in view of this, God's patience, how are we living our life during this period of waiting? I have a friend who used to say, who, is, who says to me most of the time, God is not coming back so soon. Lah. Just enjoy life, that all that he has to offer. Until the day just before he come back or before I, I breathe my last, then I, then I repent, then I, then I acknowledge him, then I receive him. There are many people like that out there. God's delay gives us a reason to share to many of our friends and our loved ones who have not come to know him. 
because they need to hear the good news. There are many friends out there, my loved ones, my friends out there who have not come to receive and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I believe many of you have to. You know, when I see the, when I read the census, Singapore census, three weeks ago, you know what caught my eyes? You know, ev every religion, every major religion in Singapore has declined. Christianity has only grown 0.6%. But that's not what caught my eye. What caught my eye is the part where they say the no religion one, it has grown to 3%. The greatest growth among all the major religions is this religion called no religion. It has grown by 3%. And most of these people in that 3% belongs to where? Belongs to our youth and our young adults, our young people. This is what that caught my eyes. This is what catched my attention. There are really many, many people out there who need to hear John 3:16 and 17. That for God so loved them that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now, if you are seated here in a century and you have not heard of who this man Jesus and what He has done in the past, and what is he going to do soon? The judgment. Can I invite you, don't quickly, I know, I know we will disperse you, uh, we will disperse you, but, but can I encourage you, can I invite you, don't, don't quickly leave. Maybe stay around. Have a word with somebody in church, one of the pastors here, one of the people who are serving you. And ask this question, who is this Jesus? And how can I know this Jesus? If, if you are watching this at home, and if you have a question about this Jesus, because you've never heard about Jesus before, and you, and you have a question about this Jesus, what was he in the past? What is he today? And what will he be, what will he be doing in the future? We'd love to have you leave a message in the link that will be found at the end of the service. And so that we can actually send something for you to read or have someone to chat with you. Remember, that one thing, God's promised patience is so that all can come and find Him. That is the only reason why God is delaying in His coming, so that all can come and find Him. And moving on, verse 11 to verse 14. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, that the day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, dear friends again, since you are looking forward to this, make, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. 
four verses, three times this word appear. Look forward, looking forward, look forward. What are we called to look forward? You ask. Are we called to look forward to the destruction of the heavens and the earth? Yes. Yes, if, if, yes, it will be only looking forward for just destruction, the end of all things for those who have not believed and received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. But for us as believers, but for us as believers, the people who are walking with Him and growing in Him, we are called to look beyond the destruction to a new future, to a new heaven and a new earth. This is God's promised future. We don't look towards pain and, and destruction. We look beyond the pain and the destruction to a new heaven and new earth. For those of us who have received Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, this is what Apostle Peter keeps repeating. We are looking forward, looking forward and look forward. This knowledge of this new heaven and earth must have an impact in the way we live now. The question we have with regards to God's promised future is this. What kind, of, what kind of life we ought to live in the view of this future? You know, my kids are now with my sister-in-law. They were so excited for the last two days today. They just left like afternoon today. You know, for the last two days, you know, they turned my house upside down. They take their pillow, take blanket, take their clothes, take soap, take everything. Last two days, they started packing already. You know, my house is a mess. But we say, hey, still got two more days, but they, oh, they pack their bags like, much like they are going there already. Just, just for what? Just to stay at my sister-in-law house for just one night, tonight. You know, or, or, that's my children. Or, or, or like holiday again. Let's talk about holiday. You know, you know when you are planning for a, a holiday, do you know that the whole family is excited? You, you don't talk about the holiday when you are already on the plane, right? Your whole family is into the excitement of discussion about that holiday that is coming for, for maybe weeks. And the, and the amount of preparation is unbelievable. To a point that, do you know that you are not the only one who is, know, who is going holiday? Do you know that you are not the only one who, who knows that you are going holiday? No, your neighbors will know that you are going holiday. You don't believe me if you have young children. Your, the whole entire school will know that your children is going holiday, plus their teacher. Because I knew that because, because the teacher texted me and said, your son said, you are skipping school to go holiday. I said, shh, don't say. But, you know, everybody is excited. They are excited. Everybody is impacted. My whole neighborhood knows that we are all going away. Are we excited about this coming new heaven and new earth? I must confess to you, sometimes I'm not. You know, I, I, I live my life making plans, making decisions, as though as really he's not coming back anytime soon. That I, I'm really not going anywhere. 
the way I live my life. Then I ask myself, no wonder the people around me sometimes are not convinced. Yes, they hear what I say, that, you know, must receive Jesus because of the coming, you know, the, the new heaven, the new earth, the eternal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, 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 they hear me. But sometimes they are not convinced with what they see with their eyes, the way I live my life. Am I really packed? Am I getting ready for this trip? Am I getting excited? Because if you are getting ready and you are packing, people will see and people will question and ask you, where are you going? Where are you going? But sometimes, I, I think, sometimes, I live my life as though as I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying here. That's why people are not convinced. Maybe that's the reason why our growth is only 0.6%. Because the way we live our life is as though as we're going to live for eternity here on earth. That Jesus is not really coming back anytime soon. We are not eager to pack. We are not packing. But I'm not just judging you. I'm asking myself, how am I living my life? What kind of life am I supposed to live in the view of this promised future, a new heaven and a new earth that is, Jesus said, is coming very, very soon? The packing of the physical holiday, here he's saying, are you getting yourself ready? Living holy life, godly life, making efforts to be spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Are we? Are we packing, getting ready for the trip? A dear sister recently posted something on her Instagram which made me pause and examine myself. She said this, how do we choose to live our life? Do we allow our li- or do we allow our life to choose how we live? For me, there's only one thing that I hope and I want my life to be one that is daily surrendering to the plan and the purposes of God. And not one that is dependent on life situation and circumstances. I, I, I want to be intentional in the way I live my life. I don't want my life and my future to be like the chorus of the song, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not us to see. Que sera, sera. What will be, will be. God never called us to live such life. God never called us to live such life. Are you, are we living holy and godly life? Are we making efforts to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. All this takes intentionality. Are we ready for the future? Now, in case you forget about this, huh, let me help you. If you ever go to the coffee shop, and if you ever go to NTUC, Xingxiong, or do your grocery, and you ever come across this bottle, whether ayakata or whether green tea or lemon tea, and then they have this thing called heaven and earth. Can I gently remind you, are you this bottle, when you see, is God's constant reminder to us 
are you ready? Are you ready? I think it's very interesting because this is everywhere. I can't run away from this. It's on the TV. It's in the shop. It's everywhere. And now when I see this bottle, I will suddenly pause and ask myself, am I packed? Am I ready? For the new heaven and earth. In conclusion, Apostle Peter, last final word to his people and to us. You must understand this is his last, last final word. Because after this letter, he's going to be, he's, he's going to be persecuted and he's going to be killed. This is really his last word. And he says this in verse 15 to verse 18. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. He's reminding us again about patience, about God's delay is for the wicked, to, for everyone to come to Him, to turn to Him. Just as our brother Paul has also wrote to you with wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of this matter. And his letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do to the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, and to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Here we are reminded one more time, the last, last, last time, in verse 15, of God's patience. And that He forewarned us in verse 17 of what is to come. And Apostle Peter said, I warned you already, huh? I have warned you. And not only I have warned you, Apostle Paul has also warned you. And so, the, so does the, all the other apostles and the prophets in the Bible. And then Pastor Darren, Pastor Gogwan, Pastor Jeff has also warned you for the last three weeks. So today, we have no excuse if we are found to be in error. We really have no excuse. We are already warned, Apostle Peter said. And we have no excuse if we are found to be in error. Our Christian walk is a very easy, in a sense, easy. It's never about acquiring new skills or, or learning new things or, or, or acquiring new, new knowledge that you currently don't have. Because Jesus says this, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Everything that you need for this life and the next life has already been given to you. Our Christian journey is one of going back. Going back, remembering who God is and what He has done and what He has said in His Word about Himself and about what He's going to do in the near future from His Word. And we do not see that His judgment comes immediately now. It's because of His promised patience that He wants to give us time. He wants to give everybody time to turn time so that we can turn our lives around and get ourselves aright with Him. Especially the many, many more, the people out there who have not heard about Him, who are still far, far away from Him. 
but soon he will come back and he will not delay anymore. To those of us who are walking with him and walking in him, we, we really do not have the fear of the judgment that is come. But like the Bible says, we look forward to this promised future of the new heavens and the new earth. Why do we, why do I, then this is where the verse 18 says, why do I, why do we need to grow in our grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? Why? Because I will forget. Because I will stray and I will wander. I, I actually do not need just the false teacher and the false prophet. I myself is capable of wandering. I'm not immune from falling away. I don't have the immunity. So what if I'm a pastor? I'm not immune. So what if we are a leader of a small group? So what if you are the pastor? So what if you are self-supervisor? So what if you are the cell leader? We are all not immune to falling away. And thus, you know, the, the world, the evil one, even our own flesh, is always seeking for opportunity to draw us away from God. We don't have to take Second Peter and start looking at who is the false prophet, you know, stay away from them and correct every teaching that they have. No. Look at ourselves. Strengthen ourselves. Verse 18. Grow in our grace and knowledge of who our Lord Jesus is. Grow. Are you experiencing His grace? His provision and His protection? Are you experiencing His grace in the area of answered prayer? I'm not sure what you are going through. But are you experiencing His grace? Every waking hour of ours is actually a gift from God. Are we receiving it and enjoying it and experiencing it? Like mentioned earlier just now when I first started the sermon, our growing in our knowledge of Him is not just a mental exercise, but that knowing itself, the growing to know Him itself, is the experiencing of Him in our feelings and in our action. God says this, taste and see that I am good. God didn't just tell you, listen and believe that I'm good. God used these two tangible things that we are very, we lean upon. Taste and see that I am good. Question is, are we experiencing Him in growing measure? I want to, I want, I want to sing this song, but then I realized better not because you're not very familiar. So in my two years, two and a half years in youth church, you know, when I first entered there and then they, they sang this song, I tell you, the first time I heard this song, I, I, I broke down and cried. And to this day, whenever I, play, I, I, I sing this song, I will still cry. Let me share with you some of the words that they say. Hallelujah. Chorus. I live my life in remembrance. Hallelujah, your promise I won't forget. And the, and the bridge goes, you know, if ever I should lose my way, which it will happen, if ever I deny your grace, I'm, ask, I'm crying out to God, God, remind me of the price that you have paid. 
Remind me of the price that you have paid for me. And hallelujah, and I live in remembrance. And then the bridge goes on to say, God, you have been so, so good to me. You have been so, so good to me. Oh, to think where I would have been if not for you, if not for you. You may not know me very well. But for those of you who know me, you know the background that I come from. I have nothing. You know, I was just attending uh, one of my friend's father's funeral week last night at about almost close to 12 midnight. I, we all went there. A group of our friends all went there to, to just accompany him. You know, I'm among the f- almost 10 of us, we were there in, in two separate tables with social distancing. Uh. You know, the, the, the wife of my friend, you know, the, father, the, the, the father-in-law, the, the wife came, because I, I don't know the wife, so, so the wife came and said, you know, among all these people here, you know, all your friends here, you know, actually you are the most interesting one that I want to spend time with and talk to you. They, they are believers, they are believers. I said, why? He said, you know, from my husband sharing, that you are actually one of the most naughty ones among the 10 of us, among all my 10 of them from secondary school. You're the most naughty one. And how on earth you became a pastor? All my 10 friends, are, they come from good school one, you know. They all came from very good school. They, you know, they are the, really the, they stay at Bukit Timah, that kind of thing. All good school. Very clever. All went overseas study. I, 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 I study in neighborhood school. I'm not saying neighborhood school is no good. I, I, I grew up like that. I know what's my future. And when I sing songs like this, you have been so good to me, you have been so good to me. Oh, to think where I would have been if not for you, if not for you. My life is one that revolves very, very, uh, rely me reflecting on the past of where I have been and where God. And today, I didn't stray Today, I didn't sin. Today, I didn't fall away from God. It's because I'm always reminded that God always tells me, where would I be if not for Him, if not for Him? God is not finished with us. God is not finished with me until I see Him face to face. What kind of life are we called to live in view of this promised future of a new heaven and a new earth? Are we getting ready by living holy and godly life, making every effort to be spotless and blameless and at peace with Him? Are we growing in our knowledge of who He is, experiencing Him in increasing measure today? Today, are you still in love with Jesus? Jesus? 